Thank you so much for, to Emily for doing that amazing video for us. Give her a hand. She's awesome. Always behind the scenes. Love that. So we are finishing our Hyperleague. How many of you have enjoyed our Hyperleague theme this semester? It's been a long study, 13 weeks uh, out of hundreds of hyperlinks in the New Testament. We are just, we've activated 13, and it's been so fun to go through the, these together. And so uh, tonight is linked to a perfect place. Um, just one of these scriptures we could preach about for 15 hours. So we're going to do our best to keep this to a half hour, because some of you are going to be twitching here in a second to get to your next thing. But on Saturday night, our family, you can put this picture up, uh, Adamola. We went to, uh, you can go to the next slide. We went to, how many of you have been to Newfields? How many of you have been to the Winter Lights? Two million lights. It is insane. Uh, it's one of our favorite places to go as a family. We went to the Halloween one or whatever it was called. My son had nightmares because of the music. But uh, it was like, when you walk through these winter lights, it's like a curated thing of beauty. I don't know if you've ever been to this. And it's like they've got music playing on the background. They've got all kinds of like globe-looking lights and trees. I mean, look at that tree. It's insane. Uh, and then the Indianapolis uh, Orchestra, they, they did like, a like music to the lights being timed. And it was just amazing. The music, the scene, the scope of lighting. The stand selling warm beverages, lots of alcoholic beverages too, which um, I, I can't afford anyway. I don't drink it e either, but uh, I, I didn't in indulge. There are even like these wood warming stations where you could like, oh, if you're a little chilly, you can stand next to these warming stations. I mean, they thought of literally everything, and as expensive as it is, it should, it should be everything you can imagine. Um, and, it, and I was just amazed, and so we get through the whole thing, and then you, you, when you leave, you kind of exit through the, the, the main, the art galleries and stuff in the hallway, and the worst part of being a parent is when your kid has to go to the bathroom, um, especially, you know, it's your daughter, and I can't go in there with her, I, I did not go in there with her, <laughs> and I, I was out there as people are walking by. I was out there as people are walking by, sorry, and as people are walking by, and I, I was noticing there were dirty diapers, there were, there were people that were screaming at each other, families were getting into it. Actually, my little comment works well with this uh, thing, too, but arguing, talking over each other, people struggling to walk, and it was just this wild scene of, like, uh, Okay, we, we just had this curated experience where we have two million lights. We have the music just right to make you feel like you're someplace else. And now, literally, we're outside the bathrooms, like, struggling to survive, you know? And I think that's really interesting. We've all, we've all seen this, where we've been in a situation where it seemed like the perfect environment. And this is not a perfect place, no matter how hard we try. Newfields can spend millions of dollars putting on this production for us, and it was wonderful. I'll go back again next year. It's so fun. And, and they can do this amazing job, but at the end of the day, uh, this is not a perfect place. And we have a ton of churches that are even trying to make us think that when we show up on a Sunday morning that we're in a perfect place. We're not. This is a very broken and fallen world. And the imperfections of this place we're in currently are pointing to a perfect place. 
okay? The imperfections of this place are pointing to a perfect place, one where everything is as it should be. So that's what we're talking about tonight. So Catherine's going to read our first scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. All righty. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The bdellium and the onyx stone are there as well. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. Okay, so the first place we got to start is the perfect place origin story. Everybody loves an origin story because it's like superheroes. Everything is like, oh, we want to trace the origin of how this happened. So we're going to go all the way back. So on day six of creation, God did his finest work, which is kind of mind-blowing to think about of all the things that God created before he got to us on, six, on day six. But he did his finest work in creating Adam and then creating Eve by literally cutting the groom in half. If you want to do some really deep dive on this, there's a great Bible Project episode about this, about the word rib. Uh, Alex Sunnicott would love to talk to you about it for three hours tonight. But uh, anyway, but to create the woman who would perfectly complement the man and vice versa, um, such, a, such an amazing thing. Um, but God created this vast universe, and then within that universe, God created... 200 billion observable galaxies that we can even observe. There's more that we can't observe. Uh, think about that for a second. And one of those galaxies, one of those 200 billion observable galaxies is ours, containing the Earth that we currently inhabit. To our knowledge, this is the only place human life can survive naturally still on the Earth God created. So it's almost like this movie, like when you span out into the universe of the 200 billion guy, and then it goes, zoof, 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 and it goes like even further down, and then all of a sudden we're in a garden. I mean, that blows my mind to think about the stages of how big everything is, and then to zoom it down into a, a single garden where God planted the man and the woman and the animals. And, and so... I, I just think that that is just amazing. And there was this place called Eden, which means luxury or delight. You've already studied this in your life groups. But in that garden, God placed Adam and Eve to do three things that I kind of right off the bat noticed. To work, which is interesting. To thrive and to enjoy. And this quote by Derek Kidner, if you want to get a great commentary on Genesis, buy his. Save up for it or whatever. The Lord's provision is a model of parental care. The fledgling is sheltered but not smothered. I love that. My mom didn't do very well with that. On all sides, discoveries and encounters await him to draw out his powers of discernment and choice. 
And there is ample nourishment, as verse 9 alone displays, for his aesthetic, physic, uh, physical, and spiritual appetites. Further, there is a man's work before him for body and mind. Woo! I want to go to heaven. This garden had it all. A main water source. Uh, this commentator believed it was like a compact area above the Persian Gulf. We don't know. Okay, because two of these rivers we know about today, but we don't know about the other two. That split into four rivers, and there were trees in this garden providing nourishment and satisfaction. How many times have you ever eaten a meal and not been completely satisfied, and you paid way too much money for that meal? Anybody? Come on. We've all been there. We've eaten a meal. We come to the end of it, and we're like, I want another one of those. And maybe you do eat another one. I don't know. Uh, But... I, I always feel that way when I eat. I get so psyched about it, and then I eat it, and I'm like, ah, oh, that was great. I'm not sure I want to spend that much money again to eat that meal again. And that is not the case in the Garden of Eden. Full, full satisfaction in the Garden. All they needed was there, and they only had one not. Only do not one time. Only one thing not to do. All these things to do, you've got one thing that God tells you not to do, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It actually, there's no command not to eat of the tree of life. Because at this point, there's no death. Okay? Uh, We don't have time to go into that either. But this not had to do with their relating to God. Would they want to choose to try to uh, subvert God and to take his authority and to become gods themselves? And that would be the big thing. And certainly it was joking with me. You had one job meme, you know. You should look up those memes. He's shown me a few of them. They're so funny. But you had one job, one knot, and you you blew it, okay? And and the thing is, is that all of us have blown it. And so at this point, Sterling's going to share his story uh, to illustrate what we're talking about as a whole tonight. Okay, okay, I not really good at using this thing but um hi guys my name is sterling i know some of you guys maybe not all of you guys but it's good to see so many people here can you guys hear me whoa okay sorry um i'm going to talk about my uh experience um so for for reference i have uh lived all over the place all over the country i've lived in five different states um been a lot of places, done a lot of things, and um, I went to school after I graduated high school uh, to be a mechanic for a little over 18 months, um, and I ended up in Florida, and I had a job in a mechanic shop. Um, as you can see there, the picture on the left, uh, I'm there at midnight for some reason, um, and my workplace is an absolute nightmare. Uh, <laughs> tools all over the place, oil all over the floor. Um, That's just kind of how it was uh, in the mechanic shop. And, um, you know, I I specifically remember this one um, instance where I was in the back, uh, in the parts kind of department, which is like this kind of warehouse where they store all the parts. And that's where all of my coworkers and I would kind of hang out and talk about stuff. And um, I remember that they were kind of talking about, let's say, their uh, sexual exploits. Um, and of course, as it, uh, any conversation normally does, the microphone, the, so to speak, 
gets around to me and they ask me, uh, you know, whatever, if I've done any of the stuff that they were explaining. And I, and I said, no, you know, I, I haven't done any of that stuff. And I remember they said, like, what's wrong with you? What are you, some kind of Christian or something? Like, I ironically, I guess. Um, and, you know, at the time, you know, that would have been a good time for me to be like, yeah, I am. But uh, I kind of crumbled to the pressure a little bit. And I was like, uh, I don't really know. I didn't want to get embarrassed. So I said, I don't really know. Uh, I used to be a Christian. I don't really know anymore. And so I kind of, I guess, folded a little bit. And that really stuck with me for like weeks. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I just kept thinking about it and coming back to that. And I was like, you know, I need God. Like, I need to go back to church. I hadn't been attending churches or anything like that. Um, and I kind of, I think this made me realize that I was just like, you know, something was missing. You know, things were not right for me to be like, you know, ashamed of God in a way. And um, this picture on the right is me. It's a summer camp in California uh, at the Sacramento River Delta. Um, that's uh, one of my most, like, I guess one of my favorite memories that I have of what I would call like a glimpse of this like Eden or this perfect world that we kind of talk about where I remember uh, we all would stand on top of this uh, river, this houseboat, and we were all singing praises to God uh, as the sun set. And I just remember like being in that moment and being like, wow, this is like so amazing. And so that, that moment kind of made me understand what was going on in that present moment about me kind of rejecting God in a way. And so I actually ended up going to church eventually, and I, I met a bunch of great people, uh, and I have a great church community down in Florida now. Um, and something great about that is I got to go back uh, to work, and after you know getting back into that kind of groove, I started being able to talk to my coworkers about God again um, and not being ashamed of it, not being embarrassed. You know, it's really easy to get embarrassed, but I, I wasn't embarrassed anymore. Um, and one of my good friends now, Cody, he's the shop foreman or like the head mechanic, if you will. Um, and he actually, I, I went over and I saw him over summer and he was telling me like how he's been attending church now and everything. And he asked me, he's like, I, he's like, I know you go to a small group. You have a young adults group. Like, could I go with you? He's 29. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, man. So I'm looking forward to Christmas break. I told him that I'll, I'll go with him over Christmas break. So that's super exciting, um, something I'm looking forward to. Um, but um, there's just, you know, and then I ended up, you know, realizing that mechanic it wasn't for me as my whole career. It's a, It was okay. I didn't love it. Um, and I thought, you know, I need to get out of here. So I ended up looking up IUPUI and found the motorsports program here. It's the only one in the country, so my options were pretty limited as to where I could go. <laughs> and uh, my friends in Florida pushed me to come to uh, uh, church here and get to know uh, a church community here. And so the first week that I got here, I remember specifically I looked up on the spot and I looked up and I said, I need to find a church community. And I saw that CSF had a table at the uh, campus center. So I walked up to Andrew and I was like, hey, I need church people to talk to. <laughs> and he goes, oh, we have a Bible study at 3 p.m. later tonight. You want to come? And I was like, 
I tried to make an excuse, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, my math class ends it like right at three, so I won't be able to make it. And he's like, oh, we're all late all the time anyways, it's fine. So I'm like, oh, I can't say no to that. So, uh, and so I started going to that, which, I mean, I was usually early to anyways, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, there's just kind of this uh, image, I guess, of me, you know, working in this mechanic shop, this dark kind of dingy environment. Um, and, I, you know, things, that just wasn't how it was supposed to be. I, I was like, this is not how things should be. Um, and that kind of experience of like this Eden um, really was just uh, helped me get through that kind of uh, time. And I just wanted to say kind of as like a summary that um, it's never too late, you know, you don't have to decide what you want to do right now. Like, it's not too late. You know, I'm not that old. I'm almost 23, but I'm a freshman here. Um, it's, it's never too late for you to decide what you want to do. If you are in a place where you don't feel like this is for you or you don't fit in, it's okay. You know, nothing is permanent. And the good thing of it is that, you know, we all are going to be able to be able, we have the opportunity to, to be in this perfect environment at the end of the day, all of us, doesn't matter. So uh, yeah, that's kind of all I was wanting to share. <laughs> that's perfect. All right, Sterling's gonna read the next passage in uh, Ezekiel, going from Genesis to Ezekiel here tonight, 47. Yes. All right. Ezekiel 47, uh, 6 through 12, and then I believe we're doing 48, 35. All right. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters go out towards the eastern region and go down to the Arabah, and then they go toward the sea being made to flow into the sea, the, and the waters of the sea become fresh. And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live, and there will be very many fish, for these waters go there, and the others become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes, and it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Engelam. There will be a place for the spreading of nets." Their fish will be according to their kinds, like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel 48, verse 35. The city shall be 18,000 cubits all around, and the name of the city from that day shall be, The Lord is There. Adam Muller, can you go back two slides? One, one more. Okay, check that out. We could do the whole sermon on, So everything will live where the river goes. Just going to say that. We can get back to where we're going. Wow, that's so good. All right. I didn't have time to work that in. That just hit me all of a sudden. 
So perfect place, the origin story. Second one is the perfect place in the meantime. Ezekiel, his name means God's strength. What an awesome name. Uh, You name your kid Ezekiel, no one's messing with that guy. Was a prophet that God commissioned with the task of ministering to the exiles who experienced the complete destruction of Jerusalem and their temple in 586 B.C. This was a 70-year time span where Israel was on the brink of losing their identity. There's all kinds of psalms written about it where they hung their harps, um, this imagery. And, I mean, they, they didn't have uh, their city. They didn't have their temple. How could they ever be a nation again? And this is where the, the narrative of Daniel takes place as well. But the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, it's, it's 48 stinking chapters. Have you ever tried to read the book of Ezekiel? I have every year in the one-year Bible. We do it. 48 years, ranging from the bizarre, like things like lie on your side for 390 days, not even kidding, uh, to the tragic, his wife dies, and it ends up being an illustration to the Israelites, to the hopeful, assurance of the coming Messiah, Then at the end of the book, there's like this massive span of nine chapters. And I'm not talking like short chapters, massive mega chapters at the end of his book. Nine of them that painstakingly describe a temple that would never be constructed. And as a kid, even reading this, I thought, what is going on here? Did this ever happen? I don't know if you've ever read through Ezekiel and thought the same thing that I, I thought. I don't know if you're there with me. But... The average reader, when you read Ezekiel, you're tempted to go ahead and like be like, flip, 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 Daniel. Ooh, this is more exciting. But Ezekiel doesn't just give us the specs of the temple. He does that to the, the, the inches. He also gives us some insight into the environment surrounding the temple, which is what we just read about. And in it, what we do, we get a little clearer picture. So in Genesis 2, we get kind of like a, you know, a, a primitive view of, you know, that document and that story has been told and told and told and told, right? And in Ezekiel, we almost get like a zoomed, like a little clearer, it comes into clearer focus, like you're at the eye doctor, you know, is this clear? Is this, I've been to the eye doctor so many times because I can't see, you know. Uh, but this gets a little bit clearer about this environment surrounding the garden and this temple. And, uh, So unlike the beginning in Genesis, there have now been billions of sins committed. I think I'm kind of like low on that. Trillions. I I don't know. I don't have the numbers. But it's clear that it's time. uh, In order to get back to the Garden of Eden, we will necessitate healing in the meantime. Remember, the healing for the nations is what he says. We hate the meantime. Don't you hate the meantime? Some of you have had some pretty rough semesters this, year, this semester, and it has not been fun. I've talked to many of you, and you're like, I just, I hate this class. I don't like this thing. I don't like my group. I don't like, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating because you have to be four months with these people. That's a long time to spend with anybody, even if you really like them. Uh, and so we don't like the meantime, but so much growth, beauty, and hope can happen in the meantime. Though Eze- uh, through Ezekiel, God was pointing all the way to the end, okay? It's not just about 70 years of exile in Babylon. God is pointing Ezekiel all the way to the end of time with hope for Israel. This wasn't just about them coming back from Babylon. 
Persia eventually, right? This was about them seeing all the way to the end about complete healing. And did you catch the last verse? It's always, it's one of the first verses I highlight in my Bible when I get a new Bible. I love it. Uh, In the NASB and the ESB, it'll say in the bottom, it'll say, it'll say the Hebrew phrase, Yahweh Shema, you know. And I love saying that. It's fun. But it's the most significant thing about these nine long chapters. What's the significance of this place? The Lord is there. Will I like heaven? Will it be fun? That wrong question. Will God's presence be there? Yes, I want to be there. That's the only reason you enjoy being on this place right now. It's not because of Calc 1. It's because of God's presence. It's the only reason that life is even worth living. I've just skipped ahead to the end of the sermon. I do apologize. But Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven, he says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Yahweh Shema. Uh, Catherine's going to share her story. Hello, everyone. I'm Catherine, if you didn't catch it. (laughs) Um, So as we were going through this passage, I found that it really resonated with me, that idea of how hard it is to wait and how there can be a lot of hopelessness that sets in during that waiting period. And I'm so sure that everyone here has had to wait for something, even if maybe your food was just taking a little bit too long at the restaurant. Like, none of us really like waiting. And for me, a significant period in my life when that was the case was in high school. There were a lot of difficult family things going on. There was a lot of tension and conflict and even some abuse, if I'm honest. And I felt so hopeless in those situations because I didn't feel like I had anywhere to go. I would pray and pray and pray and it really felt like my prayers just kind of bounced off the ceiling, like there was just this, this gulf between me and God that could not possibly be bridged. And I really started to feel like it was me, like maybe there was just something wrong with me. I couldn't really think of a reason why God should be listening to me. What's so great about me? I'm a sinner just like everybody else. What possible reason could I have to give God for why he should be listening to me? And honestly, I started to doubt I started to wonder if God was really there because nothing was changing. Honestly, things just kept getting worse. But I had my sister, (laughs) and my sister has always been there. Now in high school, she had gone off to college. She was in Ohio, and that was really hard because, to be honest, she was my best friend, my only friend. And I looked to her so much. You know, she's only three years older, but, you know, to me, that's just everything. It's just, like, the, the best big sister. And she was so good about being there for me, even though she couldn't be physically present. There were so many nights when things were happening, and I didn't have anywhere to go, and I would just call my sister, and she was just there. And it was just such a good reminder that, like, she, at least somebody was there, she would remind me that she did love me, that there was more to my story, that this wasn't going to be all there ever was, even though it was all I had ever known. And when I would talk to her about, like, my struggle with faith, um, because she was honestly the only person in my family who shared my faith, 
and I felt like I could talk to her. She felt safe to be able to say, hey, I do have these doubts, and she wasn't going to just tell me, you're a horrible person. And she just was so good about acknowledging my feelings and still letting me know it was okay to feel the way I did. That God was there, but it was okay that I didn't feel that way. And looking back, she was my reminder that God was there. She was the perfect living example of God in those situations. And it certainly didn't bolster my faith tons in high school, but she was my biggest advocate when I was going to college, and she was like, you should get connected with this Christian campus organization. And if any of you know me, you know I'm not somebody who likes to go meet new people. I was like, actually, we're good. We're good without doing that. Um, I, I'm good. And so she was like, no, no, no. So of course she gets out the computer and she's looking for me. And she was like, look, there's this form. And she filled the form out for me. <laughs> she did, and I was like, okay. Um, but it was just such a, just, she's always been such a good advocate of pushing me outside my comfort zone, but letting me know that, you know, if I fall, she'll be right there to catch me, right there to let me know that it's okay. And in college, I felt like I was starting to get a better understanding of God. I had always viewed him as this angry God, this hateful God who just couldn't possibly accept me. But she was such a good reminder of the gospel and everything, and honestly, <laughs> What I love most about it is my sister didn't have somebody to be doing that for her. You know, we were really relying on each other. And to see that, that goodness that was pouring out of her, that living example of God's love, it just continues to amaze me. Like, just being able to be that person that she never had. And so coming up to March of 2022, I decided that I wanted to get baptized again. Just because... I had gotten baptized as a kid, but I was just like, yeah, I did that because I thought I was supposed to. And so I wanted to really have like that commitment and be like, this is my decision. I am fully committing my life to God. And she drove four hours just so that she could be there. And I think there's actually a picture right there. And you can see her in the back in the very shadows. And if you can make out that smile of hers, that just says everything about what a light she is. She's always been my biggest light in the darkness, and it just is a reminder to me, no matter how hard things get, because it is still hard, God is good, and they people are there, and this is not all there is. There is something better coming, and you have to fight for it. But for me, my sister's right there fighting for me when I don't have the strength to fight for myself. And God does that for us, too. One of our alum who works at Chapel Rock Christian Church, he took that picture. And then afterward, when I sent it to Catherine, I didn't, real, I didn't see her sister. And I, I told one of you earlier tonight, I'm kind of a robot. I don't cry. That was a... That was a Man, that's just so sweet. You know the whole story. All right, uh, Catherine's going to read our last scripture. I'm, I'm, I promise we're going to stop here. All righty, we are reading Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, being 
bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. Mm. Wow, so good. So perfect place and permanence. This is what we're talking about. Okay, so remember when I made an, a crazy statement at the beginning of the semester that every page of the Old Testament is important, and you were like, come on, right? Um, that's so true. It is so true. And if, if you don't know the story in Genesis 2, if you don't know Ezekiel 47, Revelation 22 is not going to be near as cool when you read it. And many of us, first time we read Revelation 22, we'd probably never studied the inner workings of Ezekiel 47. I know I didn't the first time I read Ezekiel or Revelation 22. But by the time we come to the third scripture tonight, we don't need a Bible scholar, although I like Bible scholars, to tell us what John via the Holy Spirit is communicating. We see the entire Bible coming into crystal clear focus. Sure, we may not have all of our questions answered about every single verse from Genesis to Revelation. I still have many questions that I want an answer to. I'm not sure I'm going to get all my questions answered tonight uh, or for the rest of my life. But we know where God is moving all of history. Okay, When you look at the historical landscape, of humans, of God's creation, and where is it all going? This is it, Revelation 22, 1 through 5. We come to a permanent, perfect place. What we've been really wanting the whole time when we're mad about our fast food line taking too long or whatever, we're grumpy about you know, someone not getting back to us, not texting us back or whatever. What we're really wanting is this when we get mad. What we're really wanting is right here. We see again, the main water source is coming from God himself. It's the purest water possible, clear like crystal. In Ezekiel, the river is like, it's making all the salt water fresh so we can drink it. Here is just for this place. And there is a place outside of this place where those who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior are, are, are at. But we see this river has an unlimited supply of refreshment for all to come. And just like Israel had been singing in Psalm 46.4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. What's he talking about? Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Never going to look at that psalm the same. The river is for this holy city. And we are not surprised also to see not only a water source, but a tree a tree of life, a throwback to Eden and Ezekiel, mainly because we, uh, we need to keep in mind that Adam and Eve, what happened to them after they sinned, after they decided to try to be gods? They got ejected out of the Garden of Eden, and then the, the angel with the flaming sword made sure that they could not come back in. They, they were banned from access to the tree because of a tree of life because of their rebellion against God. Us too, right? Us too. I love this quote. 
1949, it's fresh. Now at last, almost at the end of the great drama of the Bible, man may return and legitimately enjoy the blessing which he was banished for the illegitimately for illegitimately desiring. There are three more descriptions of heaven in this passage. We have no time. The first is no curse will be there. You need to look at Zechariah 14. You need to read Zechariah. Zechariah 14, 11. This is a picture where worship cancels and, and cures the curse. Um, number two, we see the face of God. Like Moses wasn't allowed to see the face of God. Remember, he only saw his back. That's definitely what he's referring to here is Exodus chapter 33, verse 20 and 23. Number three, no more night. Again, Zechariah 14, 7. No need for fear of the night, and we will share in God's royalty. And then this is the thing that frustrates us. Even with the perfect day or the perfect evening, we're on the houseboat, we're hanging out with our sister, we're, we're spending time, we're, we're not in the shop, we're not in a, in a crazy envi- environment where we're, we're safe we're we're secure what 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 in the back of your mind is frustrating with that what do you know this this is going to end i'm going to have to exit this little eating glimpse back into my other reality i've got to go to work tomorrow i've got to go take that final i've got to go me- deal with my home situation And that is the thing that frustrates us. We don't want it to end. And here we see what we're really longing for. We see the sustaining will echo forever and ever. And we will see the sustaining work of God for eternity. Tell me you don't want to go to heaven. Goodness. All right. So as we, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. as we close out tonight with one more song, if you need to leave, I understand. But uh, stand with me. Okay. What is your origin story tonight? Where did you come from? I mean, where did you go, Cotton Eye Joe? I'm just kidding. Where, where is your origin story? Where did you come from tonight? How did you get in this room? Have you thought much about that? Have you thought much about who God has created you to be? You have messed up your life, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, just like how they were ejected. We were ejected from God's presence. We were not in a good place. It's just the bottom line. Um, Second thing, what are you supposed to do in the meantime until Jesus returns? We're thinking about the exiles. We're thinking about being disconnected. And the third question is, are you ready for Jesus to return tonight? And I really believe with these scriptures, if we really started to believe them and memorize them and live them, we would be secure. We wouldn't need to prove ourselves anymore. Also, we would be focused on who God created us to be and we would be hopeful in the chaos. And tonight, what a better way to end 2023. Uh, finals do matter. But ultimately, the thing that matters most is what we're going to do with Jesus Christ. He said that he loved you. He said that he loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. 
all the stupid things that we've done and said throughout our lives, he went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin so that we could get back to Eden. So we can be back in the garden, walking with him in the cool of the day, just like in the beginning of the Bible. And so if you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you have not confessed him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're like uh, Catherine's story tonight, and you need to make uh, the decision to get baptized. Uh, we want to we help you walk through that decision and uh, see that you do everything that God has asked you to do. So let's uh, sing this last song as we close out.